Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings Podcast, the podcast for curious professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Andrea Doyle, and I am the senior editor at Skiff Meetings. In this episode, titled Breaking Barriers and Paving the Way, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Julie Coker, president and CEO of the San Diego Tourism Authority and the member of numerous boards, including the U.S. Travel and Tourism Advisory Board and U.S. Travel Association. In this fascinating conversation, we chat about things like the importance of inclusion and how it's not just a nice to have nor a trend, but it needs to be intentional. We also talked about the importance of diversity and that it's a journey that continues to evolve. A good place to start is Tourism Diversity Matters, and Julie talks a little bit about that. We also talked about why boycotting a destination that has politics in place that you do not agree with is not the answer. Julie says walking away will not help, although standing up will. When it comes to leadership, Julie says the higher you go, unfortunately, the lonelier it can get. Having a community that can serve as a sounding board is vital, and she shares with us the community that helped her and the mentors that helped her as well. Sit back, and I hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I did. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today, Julie. I wanted to start out by finding out how you got involved in the meetings and events industry. So it's kind of funny because I have two older sisters that are both in the medical field. So my oldest sister um, always wanted to be a nurse since she was a little girl. And then my middle sister, after we lost my grandfather to an unexpected heart attack, uh, decided that she wanted to become a doctor. So the two of them were very structured and driven and and knew what they wanted when they graduated from high school. And I had no idea. Uh, But what I did know is that my summer job, which turned out to be my full-time job during my high school year or my senior year, I should say, was that I loved working in restaurants and I just loved uh, more so the interaction with people and just getting to know people and getting to know people's stories uh, and and helping them to get to know, especially if they were from out of town, Wilmington, Delaware, which is where I was from. So that really sparked uh, the love of the industry. And then I was fortunate to have a guidance counselor who was very helpful in guiding me towards uh, U- Johnson & Wales University. It was college then, now it's university in Providence, Rhode Island. And from there, it just took off. Okay, great. And um, can you share your journey that brought you to the top spot in San, in San Diego? Sure. So I started as a corporate trainee, a corporate management trainee with Hyatt Hotels 
1989. It was uh, my first job right out of college. They put you through a very intensive, uh, at that time, six-month training program. And then the last three months of the program, you were to choose what area of concentration you wanted to be in. And I chose rooms division, which meant that I was going to work in hotel, um, ref, uh, front office, housekeeping, um, the room side of it. And so I worked my way up through the rooms division with Hyatt and then had the opportunity within 10 years to be a general manager in Chicago. And I did two properties in Chicago, which then landed me in Philadelphia. Uh, and so I was a, a three-time, four-time GM uh, with Hyatt and then had the opportunity to see a much broader aspect of hospitality and tourism, which then exposed me to destination marketing organizations. And so I started uh, as the senior vice president of convention sales in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau, and then had the wonderful opportunity uh, to become president in 2016, and then had the uh, opportunity to come here as president and CEO in San Diego in 2020. Okay, great. And um, congratulations on your Philadelphia Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Yes, yes. <laughs> Life, lifelong Eagles fan for sure. <laughs> so um, we worked together not that long ago on a story about female leadership in the events industry. And there was a time in a, in this industry, most top jobs were dominated by men, but you're, you're an example of this improving. Um, do you think this improvement will continue? I, I really do, because I think that um, board members as well as stakeholders see the value of having diversity around the table and diversity within the conversation. So whether that's gender whether that's age, whether that's background, whether that's racial diversity, I think um, we see better business results when there are different voices, different experiences, different skill sets around the decision table. If everyone uh, is of the same, then oftentimes you are getting one view, one perspective. And so because of that, I think women definitely uh, have made a difference in terms of culture and how we nurture organizations. But more importantly, we are proven leaders that have uh, really driven business results. Now, having, now having said that, I definitely think that there is still room to grow. Um, I still believe that, um, you know, when I was growing up with Hyatt, it was, you saw very few female general managers. And some of my counterparts, and, and maybe me at some point in my career, thought, I have to choose. I have to choose between being married in a family and being a GM. However, there were a number of female executives and female uh, uh, general managers and those in corporate office that showed you can do both and you can have both. And so I think there's an, a number of things that need to be done. One, women need to continue to mentor one another and show them the possibilities and show that you can have it all uh, and, and that you don't have to choose. The other would be that I think, especially on our side, when it comes to destination marketing organizations, it's important for at the board level for those board seats to be diverse because they drive the strategy and they drive the direction and they influence the culture of an organization. 
And so at the very top, which is the board, they must see it as a priority. And then third, we have to invest in women. Um, it is an uneven, an uneven playing field. And so because of that, there are programs, there's mentorship programs, there's internship programs uh, that companies and organizations need to invest in to make sure that women are moving through the funnel at, at a pace that men are and that they're given opportunities, the same opportunities, if not more than men are. But I definitely think we're, we've made great strides. Um, however, it can't just be there's one or two of us. It needs to be much more than that. And also to those of us that have this seat, we have an obligation to make sure that we left it better than we came. And if we are the first females or the first of any kind to hold that seat, you definitely can't be the last. Okay. And um, you had explained the importance of your network of other female leaders. Can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, I, I think... For anyone in leadership, the the higher you go, truth is the lonelier it can get. And, and it's simply because, you know, the responsibility that you bear on your shoulders and the decisions that you have to make every day, not everyone can go along with you on that journey. And so there are just some things that you have to bear on your own. And so because of that, I think it's really important to have a community and not meaning a community in terms of San Diego community or Philadelphia community, but just a community that is similar, has similar roles that you have and similar levels of responsibility that you can create this safe space. And you can talk about the decisions that you have to make, uh, the concerns that you have, the successes that you have. So the failures that you might have experienced. Um, if there's a you know, a, a decision that you're struggling with, you need a sounding board, or if you just need someone to listen and to have a group of, um, I don't even want to say like-minded, it's more having folks that either have sat in your shoes at the same level. And I definitely encourage you not to have them in your same industry, because I think when you have different industries, but they have the same level of responsibility that you have, I think they can give you a much broader perspective. And so, I was fortunate uh, back in Philadelphia when I became president to have a, a very good friend say, I'm going to set up what she referred to as a kitchen crew, kitchen cabinet crew for you. And you can come to us for personal, professional advice. Um, and we're here to support you. And there were many of decisions, especially during COVID, that I reached out to these group of women and they were extremely helpful. Um, as I was making my decision about San Diego, I spoke to one or two of them about moving and, and the pros and cons. So I think everyone should, leaders in particular, should have safe spaces to bounce ideas off of. Right. And you literally moved across the country for this job, didn't you? I did. I was, I was very much settled in Philadelphia uh, pre-COVID. And uh, was was very much looking forward to signing another contract uh, or extension of a contract. Uh, great city, great people loved what I did. Uh, and then San Diego came along and it's one of those destinations that's just very unique. Uh, it, it has everything that I was looking for, the potential of an expansion of, of a convention center. Um, it has a balance between both leisure international and meetings and convention all under one organization, uh, has a stellar reputation for 
leadership and the work that it's done. So it was a great opportunity and I accepted the opportunity before COVID. So January of 2020, only to have a very different role in March of 2020, but it all worked out. And I came, arrived here in San Diego in June of 2020. Wow. And you'll be hosting PCMA Convening Leaders next January, correct? Yes, we have an opportunity to welcome all of the convening leaders attendees to San Diego in January of 2024. Uh, we have not hosted uh, the convening leaders in probably 10 or plus years. So we're really excited to, to show off what the destination has become uh, and really give folks a, a great opportunity to see all the wonderful neighborhoods and diversity efforts that are here in the destination. Certainly we have wonderful partners that we work with every day, our hotel community and the convention center, our arts and culture and attractions and restaurants. But we're really looking forward to bringing everyone to uh, to San Diego in 2024. Oh, I can't wait. Um, You touched upon diversity. Do you feel the industry is where it needs to be as far as diversity and inclusion is concerned? I think that we are finally having some very honest and real conversations about diversity. I think many organizations, especially in the tourism space, have made DNI a part of one, their mission. Uh, I also believe that they've added it into their their strategic plan, which I think is extremely important. And the third is they're actually funding, putting funding mechanisms behind it. And I think that that's important. We're also broadening the conversation, uh, not just what we typically think about when we think about diversity, which is racial diversity or gender diversity, but we're talking about those and accessibility. We're talking about LGBTQ. Uh, we're talking about um, generational uh, diversity that we need in, in the workplace. So I really do think that we are on a good path. Um, no, I don't think we are where we should be. Uh, the fact that I'm one of a handful of female CEOs um, at a destination market marketing organization uh, that off the top of my head, I'm one, two or three of an African-American woman uh, leading a destination marketing uh, organization. I think we're the fact that we can still count how many we have means that we're not there. And so whether it's 10 or a handful, it should be an equal playing field. So um, I definitely like what I'm seeing, especially around the investment side. I've always said that DEI needs to be approached needs to be approached with an intentional effort. It's it's not a nice to have. It's not a trend. It's not a fad. It's one a good business decision, but there has to be intentional efforts with measured outcomes. Or don't do it. If you're not going to do it for the right reasons and for the business outcomes, then don't do it. The other thing that I would say, I think some of the hesitation with uh, destination marketing organizations or, or travel and space or travel and tourism companies is they're not sure where to begin. But that's the thing. You have to at least start. You, you may not have all the answers. It's a journey. It's a journey that will continue to evolve. And it's, it's a journey that I hope will continue to remain a priority but you do have to start somewhere. I think that is extremely important. And where, if there's an organization that isn't sure where to start, where can they turn to for information or for help? Absolutely. Tourism Diversity Matters, TDM, uh, is an organization that we're using. Uh, they are specifically 
looking at the hospitality and tourism space. Uh, they'll go through an assessment and assess the current work that you're doing and then give you tools to move your um, efforts, initiatives to the next level. But also, too, they'll start from the very beginning. So if 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 DNI is not even in your speak, if you will, um, they'll help you to introduce how that can start, um, what you need to do, and really uh, drill down on what's best for your organization. And the reason why I think that's important is because they take every destination where they are. So where I am is not necessarily where Philadelphia is and where Philadelphia is, is not where Los Angeles is. And Los Angeles is not where DC or New York or Boston, we're all very different cities. And we're, we all have very different makeups. And what I like about TDM is they take the time to get to know the destination and also your goals. And then they can help you create a strategy to get where you're looking to go. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. Today, destination marketing organizations are so much more than just an organization that markets a destination, aren't they? They they are advocates. And can you touch upon that? Sure. So so the first thing you know about a destination marketing organization is that we don't tip, we don't really own anything. So we sell hotel rooms, we sell um, our destination, we sell sell the convention center. Um, and so that means we have to be a good partner. So what we do is we collaborate and we convene the stakeholders in our destination to create an unbelievable experience for visitors, whether that visitor's purpose of trip is leisure or whether it's for meetings and conventions or it's an international visitor. And so for those reasons, you as a destination marketing organization have to have tentacles that reach far into the community. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you should work very closely with your elected officials because the safety, security, and overall experience of your visitors should be top of mind. And so having a relationship with your, whether it's county officials, whether it's your elected city council or mayor and or even governor is very important. You also should have a great relationship with your hotel community. Uh, you're selling their product after all. And then, of course, those of us that have convention centers and then working very closely with attractions as well as restaurants and retail. Um, a part of the visitor experience in most destinations is uh, visiting very small businesses. And so to be entrenched in that community and understand what they go through, how to market, how we can help them be better. Uh, some are mom and pops uh, retail shops that maybe make jewelry. They don't have the wherewithal and they don't have the marketing tools to really market themselves to the, you know, 17 million visitors that we have in the destination. So how can we help them so that they can be a part of that travel um, economy? The other is we found during COVID, a lot of our work is outside of our destination. So we market outside of San Diego because our charge is to bring visitors to the destination. 
we found very quickly during COVID that we needed to turn inward. We needed, first of all, San Diegans to come to the restaurants, to come to the hotels and actually do stay vacations and stay within our city while they were waiting uh, for it to be safe to travel abroad or even around our country. The other is we needed to inform them. We needed to let them know that we were starting to bring visitors back to the destination and we needed them to understand their role. So we said to visitors, we're gonna, you're gonna come to our destination and this is our pledge as residents of San Diego of what we're gonna do. We're gonna stay six feet apart. We're gonna wash our hands. We're gonna be safe. But then at the same time, we said, and when you come to our destination, you need to travel responsibly. And these are the things that you need to do. You need to continue to follow COVID guidelines and so forth so that we can coexist in this destination. So it really is important for you to be a part of the fabric of the community that you are doing business in. And more importantly, that you are selling. It's it's so important that San Diego is a place where we should all love to live, work, play, meet, visit. All of those things kind of come together. But the last thing I would say is we're residents of this city. And so we have a vested interest because we're a resident um, and because we are an economic driver. It's, it behooves us to be a major part of the destination that we work, live and play and meet in. And I guess when you get more in touch with all the local businesses, you can that can translate to a more authentic experience or meeting attendees. Absolutely. It, it, it definitely to be able to, to talk to you and say, Barbusa is one of my favorite restaurants and here's what's on the menu and you're going to love this. It's much more authentic and real. And I'm speaking about something that I know about and have experienced. So uh, the fact that we live, breathe and, and eat, sleep San Diego, and we actually are um, really entrenched in the community and, and we are the destination expert. So the only way that we can inform you as a meeting uh, as a meeting attendee or an event strategist is to know our product. And the way that we know our product is to really spend time in the various neighborhoods and really getting to know the partners so that we can then be your resource uh, for convention attendees and event strategists. That's extremely important. Okay. Um, the last podcast I recorded was with Al Hutchinson and Al had recommended I feature you in this podcast. And we had an interesting conversation about um, how DMOs also have to get involved in gun violence and, um, you know, like political decisions, abortion, et cetera. How do you feel about that? You know, there are a number of external factors um, influencing a visitor experience, but also more importantly, a vet strategist decision to hold a meeting in a destination. Um, I firmly believe that there is a better way to show up and make a difference than to boycott a destination. I completely understand it. Um, you know, my mom is is African-American woman born in the South, uh, you know, of a certain age that certainly during her time, uh, what needed to be done was to boycott, to make change. So I am a product of of her teachings and certainly understand that. However, in this particular case, I think what's important to know is that when event strategists, meeting planners are making that decision, the ones that you're impacting or and it's unintentional are those that are in underserved communities. 
So when a meeting pulls out of a destination because of the political stance that they may or may not like, or they disagree with, or they want to uh, show their uh, opposition to, it's the housekeepers, it's the dishwashers, it's the valet parkers, it's those that are um, you know, on a on a much lower scale and really living, um, you know, paycheck to paycheck that aren't working. Mm-hmm. And that I know that's not the intent, but that's who's impacted. That mom and pop retail shop that I talked about, those convention attendees will not come through their store because the meeting was canceled. What I would propose is work with the destination to be able to actually show up and really do and really make meaningful change. So if there is an issue around voter registration or a political stance, then work with a local group and help, uh, you know, get folks registered or hold a town hall and invite elected officials to come and share from your leadership to their leadership why you're making a business decision about possibly not doing business in their destination again. Um, And certainly, uh, obviously, Abortion and gun violence is is extremely important, Um, but show up in those destinations and make your voice heard and then support those organizations that are doing the work that can hopefully change the legislation that you disagree with or that you don't fundamentally believe in. I do not believe in boycotting a destination. I think um, the experience of networking, travel and, and meetings and conventions is extremely important and should not be used as a pawn. And that's what you do when you use that chip, if you will, to cancel on a destination. And in terms of of gun violence, um, force those elected officials and and community organizers and residents to come together and have a town hall and put them on notice and say, my attendees are not safe in your destination and I want to come here. Tell me what steps you're doing to make a difference. Tell me the, the, the plan that you have in place to make my attendees feel comfortable. And, and demand action. Do that first. Mm-hmm. That's what I ask. Do that first, then just walk away. I don't believe in just walking away. You have to stand up. Okay. What do you feel the future holds for the meetings and events industry? The future is very bright. I think we saw that uh, in Columbus with PCMA. Uh, A lot of hugs, a lot of excitement, uh, just a lot of conversation there. um, This is certainly efficient as we're doing this interview. We're in different time zones and different locations. Um, However, doing this in person is also even better. Right. You get to know one another. Um, The conversations, impromptu conversations that we have in our office space when we're walking up and down the hall. Uh, As we talked about earlier, I can't wait to get out and talk to my folks. I'm sure they're going to be lots of high fives that the Eagles (laughs) won. Uh, That's going to certainly be much better than them calling me or texting me and saying congratulations. But the more important thing is in cultures and work cultures, we grow, we mentor, we help develop as we are seen, uh, as we come together face to face. That's the same thing with meetings and conventions. We network, commerce takes place, um, we deepen the relationships and strengthen the relationships uh, that we have with our customers and with our colleagues when we are in person. And so I think we understand and and, and maybe even for uh, unfortunately, took for granted the power of being in person during COVID. Uh, but I think we all know when we are in person at a convention, how that feels, um, how much more 
deep and enrich the experiences when we're together. And I, and I definitely think the future is bright. I think we are going to have to reinvent uh, and, and reimagine how we look in, 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 in person space and making sure that it's engaging and interacting in the content that we're providing and the customized experiences. Um, you know, I think things like panels and, and, and speakers to a large room are, are going to probably start fading away and, and people are going to want to do more interactive, um, immersive experiences and learn in the way that's best for them or network in the best way that's for them. But our, our industry has always been creative. We've always been uh, ability. We always have had the ability to pivot and reimagine ourselves and uh, we'll do it again. But I am very optimistic about what the future holds and, and can't wait uh, to see this year. And of course, can't wait to see our convening leader attendees in in uh, San Diego for 2024. Great. Now, I mean, obviously COVID was an obstacle that the industry did overcome. What has been one of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome on your way to the top? I, I would say some, there are often times I might've got in my own way. Uh, and I say that as, as, as a female leader to other female leaders, sometimes we can question whether we are enough, um, whether we are poised and, and ready for that next step. And we are. And, and I think men have uh, the ability to, uh, put themselves in positions that make them uncomfortable, but it's just natural for them. I don't know that in most homes as we were growing up, that, that those are the types of situations that our parents put us in. You know, if you think about the the home, you know, daddy's little girl or, or daddy's not putting you, you know, I need to protect my daughter. And so as from a very young age, I don't know that we're put into those positions where we might feel uncomfortable and, and maybe be a little unsure and so push ourselves. So I would say to, you know, especially female leaders, get out there. Um, you have the skill set. You are ready. You don't have to do one more thing. You don't have to do take one more position. You don't have to take one more step on the ladder. You're ready for that role. And that role was uh, tailor made for you. And then what I would say to, to my male counterparts is be supportive and open doors and uh, encourage women leaders in your organizations and in other organizations and even on boards that you sit on. Take the time to make sure that that um, female leader is supported and give them tips along the way that can help them be better in, in their in their job opportunities. And I think men do that extremely well in all settings, whether that's over sports or, or the bar or, or in the boardroom, what have you. And I don't know that we do that as well as women. And I don't know that men do that as well as women. And I would challenge them to do that. And I would say, when is the last time that you had a conversation with a female leader and really just talked about their trajectory and what where they see themselves next and really pushing them to do more, uh, go beyond where they are? I think those kinds of conversations are extremely important. Who have been your biggest role models or mentors? Um, you know, I'm going to first start with my mom. And I say that not just, you know, cliche. I say that because my mom was uh, a single mother. My my father, uh, my parents were divorced at a very young age, um, have a great, had a great relationship with my father up until the time that he passed in 2014 or 2013. Uh, but my mom really was an example of, 
making strong decisions. My mom would always say to the three of us, uh, whatever you do, make a decision. Hmm. And, and, and it, it may not be the right one and we'll learn from it, but you must make a decision. Uh, the other is my mom gave us the ability and the space and the confidence to move uh, in different circles that not everyone had the opportunity to. So my mom encouraged me to move from Delaware to Columbus, Ohio, and then to Chicago twice in Cincinnati. Anytime I called her and said, I have an opportunity in Philadelphia or I have an opportunity in San Diego, my mom was always very encouraging. And so it wasn't, are you sure you can do it? It was absolutely, and, and giving me that, that sense of confidence. And then from a business standpoint, you know, there have been a number of male GMs that I worked with in Hyatt hotels that really invested in me. They invested in my career. Um, they made sure that there were uh, opportunities bought to me or put before me that I could take full advantage of. Um, and some of them, quite honestly, believed in me more so than I believed in myself. Uh, one in particular was Jerry Simmons um, has always been just a great leader and really saw it gave me my first opportunity to be a general manager. Uh, and then moving into Philadelphia and into the DMO space, uh, Jack Ferguson was the one who said to me, um, I said, I'm not in sales. He said, everyone is in sales. This job you can definitely do. And then gave me the opportunity uh, or laid the course for me to take advantage of the opportunity to be president and CEO and then coming here in San Diego, and really for San Diego, there's just been a number of San Diegans in the community, in the business community in particular, that have been very welcoming and have opened lots of doors and tried to pour as much of San Diego's history into me <laughs> as they could. And, and even had me cheering for the Padres over my Phillies uh, <laughs> earlier this year so or last year. So um, I've, I've been very fortunate. But I'll, I'll say this, though. You have to seek out those opportunities. They don't just come. You have to seek out those opportunities and, and really be intentional about mentors and, and a men looking for mentors, both personally and professionally. Okay. What would be the one thing people would be surprised to learn about you? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, I am such an, you know, it's funny. I, I am such an open book. So if I said things like huh. NFL or football or family or travel, it just comes through. Um, I, I guess the thing that I would say is that I really, instead of hospitality and tourism, I really wanted to be an attorney. I, 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 I and often, not often at times I've thought about that and and wondered if I made the right decision. And trust me, I love what I do, but I really wanted to be an attorney. And I uh, sometimes, you know, just question that. And I know it, hospitality just comes out of my blood every day and it's part of my DNA. But I, I really, I, I question that sometimes. Huh. So um, who should we have on a future podcast episode? And um, what would be one of the questions you suggest we ask that person? Wow. I would say, and I, I don't know if you have already, I would say Fred Dixon. Okay. And, okay. and I say Fred Dixon because um, New York is such a unique city. And what I would ask him is, 
how does this Southern guy come to love the most East Coast city that there is? How how does he pull that off and how did he do that? And that's that's what I would ask him is, how have you become such a New Yorker coming from, uh, you know, the, the South as you did? That's a date. I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you.